Welcome to the Vibrant Living Podcast with Stacey Harmer. I'm so grateful you're here. I'm a certified holistic health and life coach and passionate about creating a vibrant life. We'll have conversations about nourishing your body, heart, mind, and soul, discovering your purpose and passion, and sharing your gifts with the world. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 22. Today, we're going to be talking about Gottman's principle number three, turning towards your spouse. So excited today to be addressing this. Thank you so much, everyone. Wow, in a world that sometimes feels chaotic, do you ever feel that way? Or like it's spinning out of control? I'm grateful that we can come together and get grounded and centered and hopefully empowered and awakened to have greater faith and confidence in God in ourselves and in our unique purpose and mission on this earth. So I am excited to connect with you today. All right. Once again, this is principle number three of his seven principles that I'm sharing about making the seven principles to make marriage work. So here we go. So just as a review of the first two principles, let's cover those really quickly that I've done on past episodes. Principle number one is building your love maps. This is really getting to know the nitty gritty details about your spouse. This is spending time and being curious, asking questions. Of course, I've told you about the free Gottman card deck app. That is a great tool to come up with questions. All right, principle number two is fondness and admiration. This second principle is simply thinking and expressing positive words and sentiments towards your spouse. Everyone loves to hear something positive about themselves. So sharing fondness and admiration is simply vocalizing the characteristics that you appreciate. So for today's episode, we're focusing on number three, turning towards your spouse. Now, I've told you that much of Gottman's research comes from the Love Lab, where researchers monitor all the interaction between a couple in an apartment-like setup. Of course, not in the bathroom or bedroom or private areas, but in the living area. He says that in their archived taped recordings of couples' interactions, it's not the big things, but the little things, the chit-chat that tells a lot about their relationship. What's really happening in the chit-chat is that those couples are connecting or turning towards each other. He found that couples that go on to divorce or are living unhappily married, those small moments of connection are rare. They may simply ignore each other or be living very separate and disconnected lives. But to stay connected is letting your spouse know that they are valued in the grind of everyday living. It may come when, you know that your spouse is having a stressful day at work and you take 60 seconds out of your day just to leave some words of encouragement in a voicemail or text. It's these little interactions when a husband and wife are making a choice to turn towards each other rather than away. Turning away may look like ignoring or simply not making time for your spouse when they make a bid. A bid is an attempt for your partner's attention, affection, humor or support. So people can either turn toward one another after these bids or they turn away. And when Gottman is doing his research, like they are literally monitoring these little tiny interactions if someone even responds to a bid. So turning towards is the basis of a good emotional connection and passion in your marriage. Gottman found that after years of research and monitoring couples that those who turn towards each other remain emotionally engaged and stay married. 
those that don't eventually lose their way. The reason for the differing outcome of these marriages is what we call the couple's emotional bank account. We all have financial bank accounts that help us navigate our finances, right? I don't know about you, but I'd say the goal is to have a plentiful amount of money in there so that we can spend what we need without depleting the funds. When we have enough to cover our expenses, we can feel free, relaxed, and safe financially. But when we start to get low, things might get a little dicey. Dropping below zero means trouble. Well, an emotional bank account works the same as a financial bank account, except you can't see it and it can be harder to track. When you build up enough positive interactions with your spouse, your emotional bank account is flourishing and you can feel relaxed and safe in the relationship. If you have to withdraw, for example, you have a fight or a strong disagreement, it doesn't feel too bad. And every couple is going to have that, right? But you know you have enough in there that you won't end up in the red. However, when you start to get too low, for example, the positive interactions do not outweigh the negative. Now, some anxiety in your relationship um, might set in. If the negatives overtake your relationship, that may spell trouble. You may become extremely concerned and perhaps even frantic that how are you going to build that relationship back up? just as you would with a financial bank account that dipped below zero. Well, Gottman's research shows that there is a magic ratio. Now, this is where things get a little different with the emotional versus financial bank account, as one positive interaction in the relationship does not allow for one negative to stay balanced as it does in finances. Gottman's research shows couples need at least five positive interactions for every negative interaction just to break even. Did you hear that? Just to maintain and break even, not to build up. Five positive to every negative. You need 20 positive interactions to outweigh and build up to one negative. And that is called the magic ratio. Therefore, to keep your emotional bank account flourishing, you need to make many, many, many more deposits than you do with withdrawals. So what does a deposit into an emotional bank account look like? If you think you are in a deficit with your partner or just want to make sure your emotional bank account is flourishing, here are some ways to begin making deposits. You might want to grab a pencil or pen if you want to take notes. One is catch your spouse doing something good. Notice when they do something you appreciate, even if it is something that they do every day, and say thank you. This supports the second principle that I've shared about fondness and admiration. It's not only thinking it, but expressing it. Number two is give your spouse a compliment. The most impactful compliments are ones about who they are as a person. For example, I really love and appreciate how thoughtful you are to others. That's describing what who they are as an individual inside their heart. Then you can follow up that with that compliment with an example of a time when they demonstrated that trait. For example, thank you for taking the family out to dinner to celebrate. That was really thoughtful and generous of you. Actually something that my husband did this week for us as a family. And so, you know, identifying what it is as they are as a person and then that specific example Number three is respond positively to your spouse's bids. So we make bids for connection every day. 
looking for and responding positively requires that you are present in the relationship. So in our world, there are so many constant distractions, right? We need to make a deliberate effort on a daily basis to set aside those distractions. And oh, goodness, I know I am guilty of this. When I'm talking to my husband, sometimes I'm like, okay, turn off the phone, shut it down, put it away. It might be a computer or TV or whatever, but just make yourself available to the other. Number four is do something nice for them. We all have opportunities throughout our day to do something kind for our partner. They might just be little things like taking out the garbage, doing the dishes, writing a note, giving a small gift, offering to help or whatever. The options are endless. My husband's love language is service and he finds lots of little ways to quietly serve me like loading the dishwasher and many other things around the home. So I know that for me to show love to him, that's what he really appreciates. Another way to add to the emotional bank account is number five, show genuine interest in their world. Simply being curious about what is going on in their life shows attention and interest. Remember the first principle is building your love maps and that is getting into each other's world by asking questions. For example, what are your aspirations for the next few years? <laughs> like these open-ended questions that get them talking and thinking, whatever the question, when you show interest, you send the message that you care about your partner and their world is important to you. Finding ways to fill your partner's emotional bank account each day can help ensure that the negatives in the relationship don't cause your relationship to dip into the red. The relationship will be able to weather the difficult times better and it will keep you on track for maintaining a healthy, happy life together. So John and Julie Gottman have spent their professional career doing research and helping couples. They admit that all relationship problems cannot be solved by just reading their books or a book, attending a weekend workshop or even couple therapy. But with that said, they've actually learned what distinguishes happy couples from unhappy ones and how to change the course. When they followed up with couples who attended their weekend workshop, which my husband and I have done, they asked themselves, is there a noticeable difference between couples whose marriages continue to improve over time compared to those whose marriages did not? Well, you'd think that successful couples would have made a dramatic overhaul in their marriage. Well, this is not what they discovered. To their surprise, they were only devoting an extra six hours per week to their relationship. So the Gottmans call this the magic six hours. You can actually go on and Google Gottman's magic six hours and you'll find images and diagrams that outline this for you. I'd encourage you to do that and print it out. My husband and I have it posted on our bathroom mirror, but it's just a reminder of these um, times of the week that are important for couples, okay? Here they are, I'm gonna go through them. One is partings your partings. Happy couples make an effort to learn at least one thing that is happening in their spouse's life that day before saying goodbye in the morning, okay? It might be, what are your lunch plans? If you have a doctor's appointment, a business meeting, or whatever, the goal is to ask questions and learn about your partner's day. So that time allocation is literally 10 minutes per week by doing that, or he breaks it down daily. That's two minutes a day, just finding out what's going on in their life that day. And then the next is reunions. So when you see your spouse again at the end of the day, this is sharing a hug and a kiss that comment says should last at least six seconds. He calls this a kiss with potential. 
The six second kiss is a ritual of connection that is worth coming home to. This is a good reminder for me. I think I need to lengthen those kisses. Well, after the six second kiss, he says to have a stress reducing conversation for at least 20 minutes. Okay, this is part of the reunions. So this provides you with a space for empathy and non-sexual intimacy, as well as encourages you to understand the stresses and problems outside of your relationship that you're both facing. So this conversation can be right when you connect at the end of the day or a little later. You know, when my husband walks in the door, that's probably not the best time to have that conversation because he's kids are in tow. He's picked up my daughter. Usually we have dinner right after that. So it works best for us as a couple to have that couple communication time later in the evening after our children are in bed. So like I mentioned before, we, we have an alarm on our phone. We try to set time around 9.30 p.m. to do that. In fact, just last night, my husband was out because he, he's been doing, goodness, um, rehearsals. He's in the Tabernacle Choir and doing some other things that are taking him away in the evening. So about 9.30, I get a call and just check it in. He's, he's still at his office after a meeting and um, still had our little connection time. So you can make it work, but that's usually what Goldman says about 20 minutes a day, okay? And you add that up over the course of the five working days and that comes to an hour and 40 minutes. So the next is appreciation and admiration. As I've shared multiple times, it's important to find ways to genuinely communicate affection and appreciation towards your partner. This can mean you can keep a little journal where you record small things and notice and that you admire. It could be sending your spouse an uplifting or positive text or simply sharing verbally something you appreciate and admire about them. Not only does this make your spouse feel valued, but it also puts the lens on for your mind to see the positive traits of your spouse instead of focusing on the negative, which is easy to do if we get into like this cycle. So here's an example. Thanks for helping out with the dishes last night and letting me go finish my project. You're so thoughtful to do that. So to just spend five minutes a day is what Gottman says to express that um, affection and admiration. And that that totals up to 35 minutes a week as part of those magic six hours. All right, the next one is expressing physical affection, okay? So affection, um, this is super important when you're together and it's vital to feeling connected to each other. And it's just, could be those little things as well, just holding hands. Um, but he also says, make sure you embrace each other before falling asleep and give each other a kiss. Well, this is my favorite. I am definitely a cuddler. My husband, <laughs> he's good, a good sport. He likes to sleep like on his back. Don't touch me. <laughs> but he knows that, oh, I like to cuddle. And so we kind of compromise a little bit. I usually, we usually cuddle up for about 10 minutes before we um, kind of separate a little bit <laughs> and have some space. But he's always warm and I'm always cold and it feels good. <laughs> so in these moments of affection, um, that we can let go of, you know, the stressors of the day that might have been built up, but just that physical touch is powerful. And Gottman says, even just five minutes a day of cuddling is so important. That, that comes up to 35 minutes per week. Of course, you can do more. And the next is date night, making a point of scheduling and connecting for a date night weekly. And these don't have to be huge dates. Like I said, 
Gottman's family, it's just the little things. Maybe it's just spending time together, having, maybe you're making a, a dinner for your spouse after the kids are to bed and you spend time together or you can watch a movie or going for a walk. But um, it can be simple and not, don't go into overwhelm like, oh my gosh, we have to plan a big date every week. As I've probably shared, part of my husband's Christmas present is that I came up and I started researching online and coming up with all these different date, simple, but fun, creative date ideas for the year. Well, we've, take, we've done several, but it takes time to plan and follow through. But if we don't put the time and energy into our relationship, who will? So it's up to us during your date, ask those open-ended questions and focus on turning towards each other. And so that's, you know, carving out two hours per week for that date night. And the last to that magic six hours is what's called the State of the Union meeting. I love that name, the State of the Union, right? As a couple, Dr. Gottman's research revealed that spending just one hour per week discussing areas of concern within the relationship has shown to transform the way couples manage conflict. So in future episodes, I'm going to talk about managing conflict and the difference between perpetual and um, perpetual conflict that we're always going to have and solvable. Okay. But this is a time where you can come together and it should be weekly. We also, in our weekly kind of state of the union meeting, we also do some couple planning, you know, pull up our calendars and, and phones and, and really get on the same page about what our schedule is for the week as well. But this is a dedicated space to also discuss conflict. And this gives couples the freedom to express their fears and concerns in a way that makes them feel heard and loved instead of feeling neglected. It should become a weekly ritual in your relationship and it should happen at the same time each week if possible. It's sacred time because it's transformative, even though it might not feel like that at the moment, especially if you're working through issues. So this is how he says to do it. Start by talking about what has gone well in your relationship since the last meeting. So he says, give each other five appreciations that you haven't expressed yet. So, I mean, it's up to you if you want to do five or a few, whatever, but trying to be specific and include examples that you appreciate about the other person, okay? Now, discuss any issues that may have arisen in the relationship. To make the conversation effective, take turns being the speaker and listener. So as a speaker, it's important to use gentle startups. So this is when you start a conversation that you just start gently. Gottman says that, oh my goodness, during his research, he has seen couples in that love lab. If you have a harsh startup, the conversation never ends well. <laughs> so he says, you might as well just stop the conversation right there if the startup is harsh in the conversation. So if you're expressing some concerns or dealing with a conflict, if you're, if you're starting harshly, uh, it's not going to end good. So he says, if you're sharing as a speaker, have a gentle startup, okay? That avoids triggering your partner. So as the listener, try to truly understand what your partner is saying without judgment. So when we go into judgment, then we also get defensive. Instead, validate what they're saying. When we can validate, it just diffuses everything. Even if you may not agree, for example, you could say something like, I can see how you would feel that way. That must be frustrating, even, if, even though you might feel differently. 
but stepping into their shoes. Validation simply acknowledges that what the other person is experiencing is real. If you get defensive or flooded, meaning like your heart is racing, your short breaths or whatever, you can feel it physically, it's important to take like a 20 minute break and then return to the conversation. Whenever that emotional ex you know, experience happens in your body, it usually will also not end well unless you get a break, take a break, take a breath and can reconnect. And maybe it's not even after 20 minutes, maybe you need a day or whatever. But after both partners feel understood and heard by each other, move to problem solving. Like I said, in an upcoming episode, I'll be sharing about ways to handle conflict. But one question you can ask is, what can I do to make you feel loved this coming week? It's really interesting when you ask that question. And that really goes to what our love languages are. I mean, we probably have different love languages from, you know, your spouse and um, understanding what those are and how your spouse and you both feel love is important for the other. In fact, something that we've done in our family um, has come up with what we call a love menu. In fact, I think it's about time I do this again, but we, I gave everybody a sheet of paper and we're going to write down what are some things that make you feel loved? Because we all feel loved different ways. And honestly, sometimes we just need awareness about what another person feels love, you know, how they feel love, whether it be your child or your spouse. So anyway, just a little idea throwing in there. Okay, that state of the union meeting is one hour a week. So all of those different things I just shared, the grand total is six hours. This is the magic six hours. So like I said, go print that out, put it up so you can remember and remind yourself just as those little things, those little things of connection also that make a difference. So let's just quickly review the principles we've covered so far. Number one is building the love map, really getting to know the details about your spouse, be engaged in their life, know the nitty gritty. This is foundational about building and creating friendship. That's that first floor. Second is fondness and appreciation. Make it a point to recognize and express things that you appreciate and admire about your spouse. You can also simply choose to think and focus on positive traits that they have. You might look back at the time that you fell in love and remind yourself why you chose that person. Number three is turning towards your spouse. When your spouse makes a bid, you can respond and stay connected. You turn towards each other versus turning away. You feel each other's emotional bank account to not only strengthen your marriage, but to help build up a reserve for when those challenges and rough times come because they come for all of us. And remember to this sound relationship house, there are two weight bearing walls that are trust and commitment. We can talk about these principles all day long, but unless you both have trust and commitment in the relationship, the house won't stand. If trust has been broken, it can be rebuilt in time. There are resources available to help build this. Both individuals in the marriage need to be committed in order for that wall to stand strong. Okay, that's it for this week. So your action item for the week is to look for ways to make deposits in your relationship bank account, emotional bank account. Then I also want you to Google and print out Gottman's The Magic Six Hours and paste it somewhere where you can see it and start implementing those small moments that build and strengthen a marriage. 
I'm so excited to continue on. Next week, we have principle number four, letting your partner influence you. So also, I want to just wrap up this um, podcast by letting you know that we just opened up our registration for our Vibrant Living Wellness Conference. And you can find that at vibrantlivingwellnessconference.com. And oh my goodness, you're going to see the beautiful and magical day that we have planned. We have amazing women and actually one man, or maybe we'll have more depending on what, as we conclude and pull everything together for this event, but it's going to be a special day. It's near mother's day. So it's a perfect gift to gift your mother, your sister, your daughter, your friend, come together, come take care of you. Come fill your emotional emotional love bank up for you. You're going to come away with light and love and hope and healing and empowerment, all sorts of topics. We have a, an opening session and then breakout sessions for seven hours of beautiful lunch. We're having a VIP um, session the night before. If you want to take part in that, you get all the recordings and doing a, a sound bath meditation, lots of beautiful things to experience and giving yourself some love. All right, there's something that ma- magical that happens when people congregate, women congregate that are like-minded with a purpose in mind. Um, so go check that out, vibrantlivingwellness.com. Thank you, everyone, and we will connect with you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.